today on Ag News Daily. So we really don't want the beans right now so much. We're going to pay you to go ahead and store them, uh, make it worth your time. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here on this Columbus Day holiday, but the markets are still trading. So I am joined today by Delaney Howell, co-host of the podcast. Delaney, how you doing? Good. Happy Columbus Day. I guess that's something that people celebrate. I thought it was honestly just a town celebration for my hometown of Columbus Junction because it was in her name. Oh, well, look at you. You're learning all sorts of things. Yeah. But- Yes, it is a real federal holiday, though there is a push to change the name from Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah, I saw that on uh, my Google Calendar thing that it had both the holidays, and I'm like, hmm, this is kind of an oxymoron that we're having Columbus Day and also Indigenous People Day. Well, and that's, you know, kind of the point of it is, I don't know, I'm not going to get drug into all the politics on that shenanigan. Good call. Yep. Yep, but at the end of the day, today is a federal holiday. It is a bank holiday, so if you've tried to go to the bank today, surprise, they were probably closed. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, so that's the uh, the news there on the holiday front, Delaney. What news do you have in the world of agriculture? Well, Mike, we have to probably kick it off here with the biggest news that happened, of course, right after we cut the podcast on Friday, but that is the news of the new trade deal that we have somewhat kind of done now with China. Right. The last part of your statement is the most important part of your statement when it comes to this uh, thing that we've put together with China. Mm -hmm. Kind of, maybe, sort of. So we were told on Friday, and of course our listeners are probably up to speed on this, so I'll hit the high points. Basically, the U.S. has agreed to not raise tariffs on China again on October 15th, here coming on Wednesday, or tomorrow, rather. However, we still do have the tariffs currently in place. Those didn't change. Right. Yep. Yep. So this was just uh, a bid to stop tariffs from going higher. And uh, so the U.S. President Trump said he will not raise tariffs on the 15th. And in exchange, China made some promises, perhaps the... um, Rumors on the streets, or at least uh, what, what came out of President Trump's mouth, was that China will make 40 to $50 billion of agricultural purchases here in the next year. Um, some other things with regard to IP and you know stuff that doesn't touch on agriculture was also apparently agreed upon. But that was the news that came out on Friday, Saturday. We started getting reports. The Chinese news media, which, remember, is all pretty well owned by the government, um, was not talking about any of those figures. They were not talking about making large ag purchases. The Chinese government, when it talks about this deal, it talks about it in a very uh, subdued way. And at the end of the day, what we got was an agreement for more talks. That's really all we know for sure at this thing is that we're going to send Mnuchin and Lighthizer over to Beijing here over the next couple of weeks, and they're going to actually hammer out just what the details are of this trade agreement, which President Trump is calling phase one of a longer-term kind of structural uh, U.S.-China trade deal. So that's where we stand today. I have a couple of other pieces that maybe are different than from what you've seen too, Mike, to add to that. So I, I would agree that everything you've said so far seems accurate as much as we know. But the other thing that I saw that was interesting 
I believe Reuters reported this on Friday, but President Trump has made a statement that said it will take only five weeks to get the deal actually written. Yeah, yep, that's that's I think the the understanding where where both Lighthizer and the Chinese delegates are at. I think their plan is to have this thing done in the next four to five weeks, signed, sealed, and delivered, which uh, which would be nice. And again, remember this is kind of a micro deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we suspected, uh, right, exactly. But at least it's uh, a chilling of the trade hostilities. Yes, but if we do not see that deal done by the next round of tariffs, which were scheduled for December 15th, Secretary Steve Mnuchin said on Monday today that they will be putting another round of tariffs on that were supposed to go into effect this week that we're postponing for now will indeed go on. In fact, December 15th, if we don't see that micro deal or phase one put through. So, you know, this is the part that I find interesting. So we're going to be writing this deal here over the next, you know, three, four, five weeks, however long it takes to get all of the details down on paper. The editor, and I don't have his Twitter pulled up, but uh, the editor of China Daily, which is one of the Chinese-owned newspapers in China, it's their largest uh, English-speaking paper, came out and said China's not going to commit to purchasing 40 or 50 billion dollars he says it can the you know the government has the demand to do so but it's not going to commit until it is on paper so i mean if they're going to wait to make these purchases until the deal is signed theoretically that could only give them one to two weeks before that next round of tariffs mm-hmm. is expected to go into place and maybe it'll happen you know because yeah. china wouldn't have bought very much by the time the next round is due to go on Right. And I think that's really why the markets didn't react to this trade deal is because we think we're going to get 40 to 50 billion dollars worth of purchases, but there was no timeline that was given. Right. And, you know, when we look at the markets today, it was very much, I think, a, a kind of buy the rumors, sell the news. Mm. We, we had strong rallies on Friday pretty well across the board, at least in the grains. Um, combination of weather and the upbeat attitude heading into this trade negotiation. And today it's like, eh, we got it. Eh, we we didn't get much. So grains are just kind of flippity-flopping around. And again, it's it's light trade because it is Columbus Day. Not a lot right. of folks are out there. So we, I'm sure, will discuss that during our hashtag Market Monday se- uh, segment. That's right. That's coming right up here with Matthew Bennett. But until then, I did have a couple of other pieces of news to share with our listeners today. The first one being the disgustingly awful storms that hit quite a big stretch of the U.S. and Canada. The storm that happened over this weekend is noted as a historically awful storm for especially now North Dakota It stretched about 300 miles between Aberdeen, South Dakota to Winnipeg, Manitoba, and about 230 miles east of Minot, North Dakota, into northwestern parts of Minnesota. As we talked about on Friday, there were some folks that got 27 inches of snow, 16 inches of snow in parts of Montana, 11 inches in parts of south dakota but really just nasty stuff all across that part of the country a lot of road closures i believe some of them are still closed today and winds as bad as 50 miles per hour in some parts of that country 
Yeah, that was incredible. I was watching videos of it from uh, some of my North Dakota friends on Twitter, and you know, it was it was two to three days of sustained high winds and snowfall, mm-hmm. and holy cow, it made me very grateful to not be in North Dakota. Yeah, I thought this was interesting too. Uh, Lang- Langdon, North Dakota, which is about 120 miles northwest of Grand Forks got 27 inches of snow and the previous record for that part of North Dakota had been set in 1997 with only 22 and a half inches. So they've definitely blew that record out of the water. Wow. And to have it happen on October, what, 11th or 10th is just insane. So insane. Well, do you have any other news for us, Delaney? How much we jump into the markets? I have just one other piece of quick news here. I know taxes are still a little ways away, but for folks looking to 2019 planning ahead, the Social Security Administration has just announced that the wage base will be increasing from, currently it's at $132,900 to $137,700, or an increase of $4,800 And so the FICA tax rate for self-employed farmers is now at 12.4%. Essentially what that means is if you exceed that wage base in 2020, it'll be an increase of about $600 on your taxes for the year of 2020. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, that is is news. I would love to uh, exceed (laughs) exceed that number. Well, it might not be have a number that you have to worry about, Mike, but... Yeah, it might not be. No. Well, I tell you what, Delaney, um, if that does the news, let's jump into the markets. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, folks. And today, when we look at the grain markets, we've got mixed trade, but again, it was very light trading. Uh, corn was down. Beans were up. Wheat was up. Livestock was uh, was up pretty strong early in the day. So let's see where we wrapped up. December corn closed down a quarter penny at 397 and a half. The March contract down three quarters at 407 even. In soybeans, the November was up four cents on the day at 9.40. January up three and three quarters, finished at 9.54 and a quarter. Chicago wheat December contract up three cents at 5.11. The March up two and three quarters to finish at 5.16 and three quarters. Looking at live cattle, the October contract was up a dollar 17.50, closed at 110.62 and a half. The December was up a dollar 30 to finish at 113.45. In feeders, the October contract, well, October basically expired. November up a dollar 82 and a half at 146.0750. January up a dollar 75 at 142.22 and a half. And in lean hogs, we got mixed trade today. The December contract was down 47 and a half cents at 69.1250. February up 20 to finish the day at 77.25. And looking into the dairy market, October class three milk futures were down six cents at 18.58. The November down eight to close the day at 18.63. With that, let's kick it over to Mr. Matt Bennett and talk for through today's hashtag Market Monday. Well, folks, for today's Hashtag Market Monday, we're joined by our good friend, Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. You know, we had a heck of a run-up pretty well across the board on Friday. Tell us a little bit about what all happened, and did that change, like, some of the underlying factors when you look at the corn market in particular? 
You know, uh, Thursday's report obviously was not exactly what everyone was looking for, and so the corn market got beat up. Beans were able to kind of hang in there, but maybe not uh, be as enthusiastic as everyone was hoping for. And I think everybody went home Thursday a little frustrated, uh, you know, and then you come in here on Friday and you look maybe a little bit more weather. Obviously a lot of buzz around the U.S. and China trade uh, talks and the market got back everything that we lost there on Thursday and then some. And so, you know, the interesting thing for me is that the corn market was stronger than the bean market. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of sitting there looking at that thinking, wow, if corn's up 18, beans ought to be up 25 or 30. But, uh, you know, regardless, no one was complaining. So uh, I think people felt like going into the weekend, if this U.S.-Chinese trade thing is for real, uh, we're going to be able to fall through you know, on Sunday night into Monday and it fizzled, you know, basically that sell the Sunday night market seemed to be exactly what we uh, ended up seeing happen. Yeah, I think that that was the big surprise to me was, I mean, I didn't expect us to be up 30 cents today, but I definitely thought that we would get at least somewhat of a nice bump up here, especially in the soybeans or lean hog markets. And that just didn't seem to be the case, Matt. Was it because there are too many unknowns about this trade deal still or the psychology what's the psychology behind why we didn't see a nice rally today yeah and i i think that's basically what it is you know i i think uh watching that news conference i think people felt like uh you know it sure appeared to be a little more formal than what uh, the rhetoric was uh you know sunday evening into monday morning you know obviously a lot of different viewpoints on uh exactly what this whole trade thing means but uh, we did see, I mean, I personally saw uh, on Friday where they talked about, you know, they were going to have to continue talking through this uh, to be able to get to where they can sign an agreement. And so I think a lot of it just depends upon, uh, you know, the proofs in the pudding. I mean, the details, I think, is, is what it's going to boil down to. Now, are we going to get uh, 40 to $50 billion, uh uh, over the two-year span and then after that, 40 to $50 billion a year? I think that that's uh, a stretch in my opinion, uh, you know, 40 to 50 over two years is potentially uh, something that we could see. But, yeah, I think that some of the uh, expectations are maybe a little unrealistic, uh, at least so far. Well, let's talk pricing, Matt. I mean, we, we ran up, we got above $4 in that December corn contract. We've now pulled back a little bit, but not much. We're at 397.25. We've got a tight basis across most of the corn belt. How aggressive do you think growers ought to be right now heading into harvest? Yeah, I think that as far as, uh, you know, growers go, to me, I think a couple of different things jump out to me. For corn, you, you, you look at the fact that we don't have a huge carry in the market. Yes, we ran up to four bucks. It's a really good thing. Uh, but I'm paying really close attention to basis. So, I mean, what's the cash market telling me to do? What is the carry telling me to do? And the nice thing is, is in the case of corn, is that it's telling me that the market wants my corn right now, first of all. Second of all, really nice to see in the fact that we've got a uh, basis uh, making me feel pretty good about those sales and so uh, for instance in my part of the world we're running a 1000 basis locally uh, ADM Decatur is where a lot of folks go as far as the terminal uh, is concerned and they're running 12 cents over if I compare that to last year in the thick of harvest 
uh, we were running 35 cents under Decatur. So like a 47 cent swing as far as basis is concerned. So yeah, the $4 handle, I sure like to see it. Uh, as you say, we're just below that right now. But as a producer, I think one thing I need to pay really close attention to, especially on the on the corn uh, and soybeans that I'm happy to deliver, is what the cash market's telling me. And on corn, it's certainly telling me to deliver it. On soybeans, it's pretty much exactly the opposite in that, you know, your basis isn't uh, all that great uh, pretty much anywhere you go, first of all. Second of all, there's just not a whole lot of carry. Uh, there's a lot more carry in the market when you're looking at soybeans, uh, for instance, from November to July than what you are on corn from December to July. Well, there there isn't maybe, like you said, there is much carry in the corn market, but there definitely appears to be some carry in the soybean market. Why are we seeing so much stronger carry in that market? You know, for soybeans, uh, I, I do feel like the market is, you know, it's first of all, what is it telling you to do? It's saying, listen, we really don't want the beans right now so much. We're going to pay you to go ahead and store them, uh, make it worth your time. You know, I think a big part of the problem for a long time uh, was the export market. Now, the last couple of weeks, we've seen phenomenal sales, and you've actually seen basis firm up. So in a lot of areas, I've seen basis firm 10 to 15 cents, which has been really nice to see. And even on the river, uh, the most uh, there in St. Louis, uh, last couple of weeks, uh, in some places, you're talking around 20 cents on the river. So, you know, I think that the big reason that, uh, you know, that that, it, that the basis was so poor for a while uh, was just simply demand. Now that you're seeing demand pick up just a little bit, basis has been able to firm up just a little, uh, but it's still got a ways to go, you know, whenever you're comparing corn versus beans. So whenever I look at it this way, I, I guess I tell a producer, you know, I'd be more prone to put uh, beans in the bin this year. I know a lot of guys don't like and gals don't like doing that, uh, but I want to put them in the bin. I think it's going to pay you to do so. Uh, and then on corn, yeah, I want to store corn on the farm, but the corn that has to go to the elevator, if you have to make that sell versus store choice, I'm probably a little more inclined to, to sell that corn right now. Now, let's talk a little bit more in detail about that soybean story. We did get a pretty good-sized reduction in soybean carryout from the USDA on Thursday. We're way down from that billion bushels we were talking just six months ago here as potential carryout in soybeans. When are we going to see this soybean market move up into that $10 range? Well, A, do you think we're going to see that? And B, when? You know, Mike, I, I haven't been bullish beans in God knows how long. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I guess, uh, uh, last three weeks maybe, I, I've certainly changed my tone just a little bit. A lot of that's been some of the anecdotal yield reports we've heard, first of all. Second of all, you know, uh, getting into that September report, of course, we got the carryout down substantially from what we were talking a couple, three months ago. You know, and then this month you go from a 640 down to a 460, and then you come into the weekend with major weather issues that, you know, it's anybody's guess as to how much production could be lost. Uh, but bottom line, any production lost uh, on soybeans is starting to become something that a person's going to have to pay close attention to. So, you know, are beans going to hit 10 bucks? Uh, I would have told you, uh, you know, uh, 10 weeks ago, you're crazy. Uh, right now, I think that you probably have a pretty decent shot at $10. Uh, whether or not we're going to see a sustained uh, uh, price level there, I think uh, is probably, uh, you know, a little, it remains to be seen, but I'd say that's a little less likely than a run 210. I've got to think that uh, with some of the issues and concerns we have coming out of the weekend from a weather perspective, uh, you've got the opportunity to maybe do so. Now, I think if you would have kept Brazil hot and dry with a hot and dry forecast, I think you might have saw $10 this week, and who knows, maybe you still would. 
but their forecast changing around. It looks like they're going to get some rain this week. To me, tells uh, tells me that that march towards 10 might be a little more cumbersome than maybe what we would have thought if we'd have had a hot and dry Brazil forecast. Matt, I want to take things over here and look at the wheat markets. We've seen the December contract break through that $5 resistance mark. We're uh, upwards of 5.11 today. How much higher are we going to chug, or is this a, a range that the wheat market feels comfortable trading in? You know, I, I guess from my perspective, yes, we're able to break through 5 bucks. Uh, I'm looking at more of, at it more of a, a sales opportunity uh, on the one hand, at least to lock in some, uh, maybe lock in a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, some profit margins, if you will. But at the same time, you know, you talk to a lot of producers, especially in the West and the upper Midwest, uh, you know, wheat acreage is, is going to be uh, uh, probably hard to come by the more people you talk to. I mean, when you get into a really excessively late harvest, you know, any sort of winter wheat scenario, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, getting it planted. It's going to be a, a, a big question mark. And so, you know, I've got to think that you'll at least stay supported. But at the same time, I always have a hard time getting too friendly wheat because you're always six to eight weeks away from harvest somewhere in the world. And you can fix a wheat situation, uh, any sort of regional shortage very quickly. And as you guys know, uh, world wheat carryout isn't anything that's been uh, anything that could be accused of being tight. Uh, for quite some time now. Absolutely. And, you know, the other th consideration we have, especially when we're talking about the wheat market, is the uh, the strength of the U.S. dollar. Matt, bring us up to speed. What's the dollar been doing here for the past couple of weeks? Are we still uh, still up there in a pretty strong strong area? Well, last week, you know, we, we broke down uh, through some pretty important support. And so, you know, I mean, uh, the, one of the guys on my ag market team, Brian Split, he watches the dollar very closely, you know, and he's looking at an outside uh, uh, monthly reversal lower. And so who, who knows? I mean, on, on the dollar, I think the best thing that could possibly happen for us is to see this dollar lose some value to be able to uh, be able to stay at levels that uh, we haven't seen for a while. I mean, dollar's been so strong, especially relative to uh, South American currencies, that it's been tough for us in the export in the export ball game. And so I've got to hope that we are able to see the dollar uh, keep from rallying back up, whether we're going to see that or not. There's so much going on politically. It's really hard to tell, you know, with uh, all this impeachment going, uh, proceedings going on, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty as to what, uh, you know, what our stock market's going to do, first of all, what the value of the dollar's going to be, where's the safe haven going to be if you continue to see some of this uncertainty. Uh, for the time being, though, last week was a really good week for anyone who's looking for exports to maybe pick up the pace because the dollar last week did not have a good week. Matt, when you look at the cattle complex, we know you've got a little skin in the game raising cattle yourself as well as trading it, but they had a good day today closing up $1.30, $1.40, in the January feeder cattle contract. What is going on there? How much steam is left in that engine? Well, you know, the cattle market had a rough go there for a while. You know, whenever we got below 140 and, you know, uh, you're back into the mid-140s here on your front month, uh, October and no, uh, November, and then you look into January, though you start to uh, lose a little bit of value. But, you know, as far as cattle uh, prices are concerned, I've been uh, thinking all along that some of the protein issues that we've got uh, associated with with ASF 
for both beef and pork in the long run, I think are supportive. But at the same time, you know, whenever we're coming out of grilling season, uh, I'm a little bit concerned whenever I'm talking about fats on how much steam might be left in that engine. And so, you know, I guess I'm not super friendly to cattle prices at this stage of the game. Uh, I've got to think that whenever you're looking at uh, some of these fats, you know, on out to February in that 120 ball game, if you're able to lock some of that in, uh, to me, if you can get to that point and lock it in, I would absolutely be latching onto it. If that's where you're looking to be terminal, uh, I don't see a whole lot of upside right now. Uh, whenever I'm talking about buck twenty fats, absolutely. And I mean, pretty similar story in the feeder cattle market. They staged a pretty incredible rally this morning, and then just focused on kind of consolidating those gains there at the one forty six level. Um, just going to see those follow uh, follow fat cattle. Well, I think so for the most part. And, you know, I think, you know, whenever you're talking about feeders, you're always going to keep a very close eye on what your, uh, you know, what your feed costs are going to be. And obviously there's been a little uncertainty. Is there going to be a major rally? And you know that the guys that are buying feeders are watching that very closely. So, you know, at this uh, uh, today, I think whenever you saw that kind of a little bit of a fade off the Sunday night markets for both corn and soybeans, especially corn. I think that's one thing that uh, certainly is, is something that person who's buying feeders is going to pay close attention to. And it gives them a little bit renewed optimism to go ahead and push that high button. And so, uh, you know, I don't think that they're obviously going to be uh, 100% correlated, but anybody that uh, has studied this knows that they're definitely correlated to an extent. And so, you know, I think that's part of the reason we were so excited this morning. Kind of backed off, though, because there's not enough fuel for the fire. All right, not enough fuel for the fire. Matt Bennett, before we let you go, remind folks how they can get a hold of you, interact with you on social media, or just pick your brain. Yeah, you know, on Twitter, I'm Chief321. If they want to get a hold of me, they can go there or they could hop onto our website, agmarket.net. Uh, me and the other three guys that uh, uh, comprise agmarket.net, uh, any of us would be glad to uh, uh, talk to anybody about anything, uh, you know, from a trading perspective or consulting, you, you name it. But uh, we're certainly uh, excited about uh, our little uh, venture that we've uh, launched this year and uh, look forward to hearing from anybody who wants more information. Well, again, a big thanks there to Matt Bennett. Do follow him on Twitter if you don't already. I believe his handle is at Chiefs321. Mike, is that right? I believe you are correct. And you can also follow along with us on social media if you are not already doing so at Ag News Daily on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Now is the time when folks are getting out into the fields that we'd really like to get some of those pictures, some of those comments from you. What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you hearing about harvest season? Absolutely. Be sure to tag us so we can keep up to date and share them with our other listeners. And with that, Delaney, how should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.